Hey, this is Sean Leary, and this is QC Uncut again. Your uh, choice for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. It's the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities. Thanks to you, the listeners, who come and listen to it every time we put out one of these things. And I always try to have a variety of people. Last podcast was um, Mayor Mike Tomes, and uh, my next guest is somebody who is... Also an influential person here in the Quad Cities, but in a different arena, in the entertainment arena, it's Patrick Adamson. And Patrick Adamson, um, the Adamson uh, dynasty, has uh, been a comedy dynasty here in the Quad Cities now for almost 30, 40 years. Uh, you guys, your dad started off, um, Jeff, um, over at Com- over Circuit 21, Comedy Sports. He founded Comedy Sports here in the Quad Cities. And now you, as you've grown older, you have taken it over. Um, but the whole family is still involved in that. So you guys have done some awesome stuff here in downtown Rock Island. Patrick, thank you so much for being back on the show. Thank you. I was going to save a baby and uh, also rescue a puppy from a tree, but I made time to do this instead. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get, ta- they'll get taken care of. And I'd like to say that we're not at all associated with the Dynasty Buffet in Davenport. <laughs> that has, while you can laugh and have a joke there, you, it's not the same. It's not the same. That was an acrimonious parting, wasn't it? The, the, the wounds still hurt, don't they, Patrick? Uh, yeah, yeah. They they got the house. We got the kids. So okay. yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, and they also have the egg rolls. I, right, right. That that was the important part. That was what you spent all the lawyers' fees on. But I, I I'm sure I'm sure Rick Davis will take care of the kid in the tree. So oh, oh yeah, he's he's everybody's superhero. Exactly, so yeah, exactly. absolutely. So. Um, you guys have got a lot of cool stuff going on down here. Uh, we were talking before we got on the air about some of the cool stuff we're going to partner up on with QuadCities.com and, and Comedy Sports, because I've always been a big fan of what you guys have done. Um, improv is such a cool art form, and um, it's very it, it, the thing I love about it and the beautiful thing about it is that it is unique every time you see it. Every time you come to see a, an improv show, you're seeing something different. You're seeing something that will never exist again. And to me, there's such a purity and a beauty to that. Um, what are some of the things that stand out to you uh, in your memories of all the improv that you've done that have been particularly memorable moments, ones that have had an impact on you, whether it be something profound or something just hilarious? Because, th- again, these are things that only you and the people that are sitting in the crowd will take away from from that evening yeah I, what you said about it being unique is true and I, I one of the things that I always like to remember when I'm performing is it's one of the really rare entertainment types where the artist creates the product with the audience mm-hmm. and does so in a way that it would be a different outcome every time. So the input from the audience is that interactivity is just something that you don't have in other entertainment forms. I mean, everything we do now, right, is plug in, you know, tune out, right? It's uh, We're very passive. We stream all these things. We play the game, the mobile platform games. Um, we're at home playing, you know, PS4 or whatnot. And so this is an opportunity, and it's one, I think, that uh, is just really exciting to take because it's as we're getting more and more uh, separate from, we're getting more connected, but we're getting less personal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just like really shakes the chains off, and and the interplay 
uh, is awesome. The uh, man, the moments that, that's a, I have an improviser's brain, which means uh, I'm a mile wide and an inch deep. <laughs> uh, I remember things for about three minutes because that's a you know as, as long as I need them. Um, but we have got yeah. I mean, they said about the history of being here. You know, I mean, we performed thousands of shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're you know more than three thousand shows performed here in Rock Island and you know in the bi-state area. So uh, the most unique moments truly though are when people reach out afterwards mm-hmm. because when you realize that you know what you did was provide a couple hours of escape and that became a very important you know component to that person i've had uh you know people say hey you know i do want to let you know I was looking across the table and I saw my wife laughing and I just want to let you know I haven't seen her laugh like that in a long time um, because of her battle with cancer and to just have that moment to see that true joy on her face again meant the world to my family I mean you know to hear those sort of things to to you know hear that the laughter and the comfort that's given is just those that's what stands out to me more than anything mm-hmm. is you know we are playing we're adults playing we're creating we're imagining we're you know growing a, a world in, in a, an agreement a trust with the audience and um to find out that it has a deeper more meaningful effect is really the cool part one of the other things that's been cool about you guys is you do family-friendly humor. Now, at one point, I mean, which may sound, to people that know my history, that may sound weird because I used to produce very R-rated, you know, um, raunchier-style humor shows. But at the time that I was doing that, uh, me and Tristan were doing that with my Verona Productions. There, there wasn't anything like that around here. It was mostly just like in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. It was very G-rated. We were seeing a lot of musicals. It was a lot of the same old shows over and over again, which is why we started that up. We, why we started my Verona. But now it seems like it's come around where there are a lot more adult options. There are a lot more, um, the comedy options on the landscape, um, including here. You guys have late night shows where you do more R-rated stuff and everything else. There's far more options in terms of adult humor. Um, but you still stay the course in terms of comedy sports and it maintains a G-rated audience, which is cool that you can, I mean, as a parent, I remember when I was a bachelor, before when I was producing shows, I didn't have any kids, so, you know, why, why did I care, you know? And so it didn't matter to me. Uh, that's why we were producing late night shows and doing, you know, a lot of, you know, heavier stuff. But then once I had a kid, you know, you realize how important that is. And so it's cool to have those, you know, family-friendly G-rated options where you can take your, your child, whether they're 5 or 6 or 11 or 15 or whatever, and you can take them to a show here at Comedy Sports, and every Everybody can enjoy it. You know, grandma to toddler can enjoy the show. Um, what is that like for you guys uh, to to have such a wide audience? Because that is very difficult. It's very difficult when you've got such a broad variety of people in the crowd to provide something that everybody likes. What's that? What's that like for you in terms of pressure coming out 
do you ever feel that pressure? And um, what do you think the secret is to being successful to a, a broad audience like that? Yeah, uh, it's funny that you brought that up because I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday about that same thing. We were talking about, you know, core demographics and, you know, who, who are you targeting for marketing? And, you know, it makes sense to say, you know, well, mothers make the decisions most of the times in the family about where the time where the extra money is going to be spent. So we're looking there. But, I mean, it is such a broad product. I mean, it is something that senior, the senior citizen home can really enjoy. The Boy Scout troop can enjoy. Right. And a group of college kids out can really enjoy. And of course the work group from John Deere can really enjoy. And it's like it's like toilet paper. Like how do you mark I mean it's everybody needs it, but we gotta make sure that they use it. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of the challenge for us. Um, you know comedy sports the brand is that safe family-friendly, you know, G-rated comedy. Um, it's it, basically the comedy's absent of swear words. It's absent of jokes about sex, drugs, race, religion. I mean, you think about the... the uh, we always kind of use a line, like, if, if you wouldn't say it to your grandma, you, even if you have a cool grandma. I was going to say, you've never met my grandma, Patrick. <laughs> then, you, then you should keep it, you should keep it to yourself, you know, because it's, it's comedy played as a sport. I mean, it's, it's essentially like WWE, NFL, and BuzzFeed had a baby, you know, I mean, it, it's, every sport is available to everyone. There's nothing inherent really about, you know, hockey or women's basketball or NFL that is going to you know, you gotta cover the kids' eyes. So it's the same thing. It's like we are presenting comedy played as a sport. It's two teams competing against each other for points and laughs and the audience, they're the judges, you know. Real quick, explain it for somebody who has never been to a show before, explain comedy sports the concept to them. So uh, essentially comedy sports is defining which comedian, which set of comedians do a better job. I mean, really it is, there's a red team and a blue team. On each team is typically three comedians. The host acts as the referee. So they call the points, the fouls, the penalties. There's fouls involved in the match. Um, you know, if a comedian makes a joke and it completely bombs, they get penalized for that. Uh, if the you know comedian slips up and says something they shouldn't, which rarely ever happens, or someone in the audience does, which happens more often, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a penalty for that. You know, there's a uh, there's a lot of uh, lights and sound and multimedia that's brought into the show too. That kind of really enhances the excitement. It gives it that feel of a, of a sporting event. Um, you know, you're getting the pump music, you know, in between the plays. Um, you know, each round has got a different score component to it. And so at the end of the night, you know, we're telling the story of these two teams struggling it out for the audience's favor. And at the end of the night, you know, one of them wins, goes home victorious. The other one loses, goes home, has to take a long bath. <laughs> listen to, listen to, uh, listen to the Smiths. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> light a few candles and just look for a better weekend. You know, but yeah, it's. Um, so you're saying that you're partially responsible for the rise in alcoholism among uh, comedy sports members, Patrick? Uh, 
because I have a liquor license? <laughs> I don't. Because of that, that depression you throw right. so many of them oh, into. That's inherent in all comedians, so yeah, you know, <laughs> that's already there. Um, but the liquor license also helps. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. It does, and it helps keep it helps keep people here. Uh, so, yeah, we have the comedy sports shows. Uh, we do a Saturday matinee at 2 o'clock, and that's a little bit of a shorter show. It's condensed. There's no halftime. Um, so better for you know younger families and kids to, to come out to. And then we have our 7 o'clock on Saturday. But then, like you said, we, we switch gears, too. You know, And then you, you take off the, the safety gear. And then you know 30 minutes later, we're back out there you know performing this raw, uncut adult humor and let's talk about those the late night shows that you've got because you rotate the lineup of them what are the ones that are in the current lineup right now in the rotation tell me a little bit about each of the late night shows and they start right after the comedy sports show more or less yeah. i mean you give a little break yep. and stuff yep. but they're like 9 30 yeah so um tell us a little bit about the shows you got in rotation right now explain a little bit about each of them sure uh so all of our shows are created by the comedians who originally worked here with comedy sports so they these are their opportunities to try formats or create formats bring shows that they've seen in other areas that they want to uh, replicate so we've got uh, top of mind bandwagon uh, it's an improvised band so it's a live band guitars bass percussion uh, they don't know the music that they're going to play. It's one of my favorite shows. I've seen that. That's really funny. They don't know the lyrics. Kind of like Spinal Tap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a spoof. I mean, it's it's a VH1 behind the music right, spoof. Right. It's a, So you'll see they'll play songs from a concert in real time, you know, that you give them the title of the song, they make up the music, and then you get to see a backstory of the band and how they got together and then ultimately how they fell apart and then got back together, uh-huh. as all bands do. Um, but yeah, we've got that. We've got uh, uh, Pony Pals is a new show that we just launched. Pony Pals? Oh, yeah. I, 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 do I dare ask, Patrick? <laughs> it's, it came from Comedy Sports Tijuana, and it's like... it's <laughs> Right, right. No, I didn't say donkey. Huge down there. Pony Pals. <laughs> it's based <laughs> off of the... Uh, what are the, the, the president of Comedy Sports, Fredo, down there, uh, came up with that. <laughs> his friend Mo Green introduced him to it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're, we're expanding. What can I say? We're in 28 cities now. Yeah. So, yeah, you never know. Anything to get the job done. Uh-huh. Uh, no, Pony Pals. Uh, why, is, why, is, uh, why is Rolling Stone's Beast of Burden coming into mind right now? Uh, and Wild Horses. Yeah. Hold on, Stallion. Uh, no, Pony Pals is based off of the uh, mid-90s series of like preteen uh, books, and they all have Pony in the title. It's like so the Pony Pals are a collective. They're they're three girls who solve mysteries, crime problems. Of course, every one of them happens to have a pony because you know mm-hmm. that's that's how life is in these books. Uh, so we took you know, the last week we did the show and it was uh, Baby Pony, and so you know you look at the book, you read the first chapter, and you use that as your setup, and away you go. Well, the audience also has sleigh bells, so they can ring the bells and at any time the show will stop and the narrator will read more of the book to help influence what's going on but you know if you just think of the juxtaposition of taking this like preteen novella and mm-hmm. then inserting uncensored comedy into the midst of that setup uh, i mean it was a it was an absolute riot uh we've got shakespeare they do a uh one hour shakespeare
Shakespearean play that they're making up on the spot. I mean, it's like highbrow meets like low vulgarity. It's, yeah, it's kind of like actual Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just w- with our vernacular. Uh-huh. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, we've got a takeoff of the Survivor, you know, popular show. Uh, we got our 309 crew, which is um, myself, uh, Jeff DeLeon, and Big G, George Scholes. Yeah, I've seen that show, too. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen Survivor, too. I haven't seen Pony Pals. It's new. <laughs> it's but. new, yeah. yeah. Um, and so 309, we take a tour of the 309 area code. Just uh, We play different games that are uh, basically, you know, tongue-in-cheek, ripping on the different things that are in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then uh, we have uh, It's Your Fault. It's like a multiple choice test. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the options are on the screen. The audience gets to choose. And so because the audience has so much control, no matter mm-hmm. what happens, it's your fault. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which yeah. is why hence the game. Um, and then... Still don't try this at home? Oh, yeah. We just did that last week. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, nothing nothing reminds you you're getting older than, uh, you know, spinning in a circle, doing wasabi shooters, getting hit with kendo sticks while the audience throws balls at you. Uh, you you know it the next morning. You're like, I don't bounce back the way I used to. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, that's essentially jackass meets comedy sports. Um, you know, so that's uh, our opportunity to play the most dangerous dangerous games i mean there i kid you not there's not a more dangerous comedy show it's every game has an element of either physical or emotional trauma for the performers um they are all very committed uh and it's it's one of those things again it's like the improv experience is so hard to describe I can't leave a show and go to my buddies at the bar and be like, oh, man, you should have been there because, well, see, Joe said this, and then Steve said this, and then I said this, and then the audience just lost it. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't get it. They don't have the frame of reference. You Just uh, say like you have to be here, it, but it really is the true story. Mm-hmm. You have to be here to experience that that uh, kind of that magic that is that creation. Um and man, these people that we work with, you know, we have 31 performers, and they're all over the board from, you know, 18 up to 65. I mean, they have been really, these are the folks that they practice every month. They do constantly perform shows. They're in other theater groups. Like, they are well trained actors and comedians. And people are always amazed because they ask, like, oh, well, who's coming in this week? Or is it just locals? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's locals like the same locals that have made a career doing this for 20 years like these are uh, there seems to be i think sometimes an apprehension right on the public side that if it isn't a name i've seen on comedy central it's not going to be good but man i mean like this area is so rich with talent not just our folks you know mm-hmm. but i mean this area is so rich with talent um it's awesome to to be a part of that community and to have the the you know privilege of being able to produce those shows one of the things that you asked me is when i walked in you said um oh how was your disca- how was your talk with the mayor yesterday because i d- interviewed mayor mike tomes and we talked about one of the things we talked about is development in downtown rock island and that's one of the cool things that, about you guys i've always ad- admired that about you got you and your dad and, and your family as well as the hitchcocks yep. is you, you guys are entrepreneurs without a net and i mean we see that all too often nowadays um I mean, you I know triple net lease i don't know if that counts. Yeah. <laughs> um 
but uh, but you know a lot of times you know people um, idolize you know Kendall Jenner and Ivanka and everybody and it's like they were already millionaires it's it's easy to be a quote unquote entrepreneur and have your own cologne and clothing line and all the other BS when you've already you already got millions of dollars of daddy's money you know <laughs> it's it's a, you're not a real entrepreneur I'm sorry but you're not you're a kid who was born on third base you're having you know with a, with a great head start and you know you've got you know the, the the butler is coming to lift you up on a golden chariot to take you home to get that home run. I mean, as opposed to you know, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. You're right. you are too, Denny, all, uh, um, Jose, a lot of the people down here. The majority of it, Terry Tilka, everybody, you know, Dave Phillips, all these guys. They didn't start off with a bunch of money. They, you guys, have just busted your butts to work hard to make this happen. Um, it's cool. I've always loved this building. I mean, I filmed part of a movie in this building in, in the Rocket Theater, and you know, we did um, in like 2004, 2005. We shot a bunch of film, a bunch of short films here in the Rocket back when it was vacant. And then Devin Hansen comes along, another guy who you know didn't have a net. He was an entrepreneur. Comes in, turns it into the second Bruin View. Unfortunately, things didn't work out for Devin, but it kind of set the the path um, for you guys to come in, and you guys have done a a fantastic job of renovating this place and in addition your I think your success and Denny's success helped out Jose's success with Pancake House and you know you've got your own little corner right here what's it like to think back to when you first walked in this place and it was it looked a lot different because uh, I, I remember when because in between that after Devin closed it we shot some film sequences for another movie in here and it looked better but it still had a lot of issues that needed to be taken care of and you guys have really you know done a heck of a job what's it like to kind of look at this and go wow we kind of created this this is this is pretty neat and you know the before it certainly had a lot of issues and it was just sort of this you know the hulk of a building that wasn't you know being properly utilized and now it's part of a bustling section of downtown yeah i mean to speak to a couple of those points like you talking about all the other entrepreneurs down here like so that are working without a net i mean that's really true especially of this area especially of rock island mm-hmm. i mean it is small business strong you know there's not a major retailer in the area i mean you know if you go I don't know, you know, the biggest names are, the biggest franchise names are associated with food, you know, or a hotel in the area. Mm -hmm. Um, But all these businesses, I mean, these people, I can tell you only because I've done it, and they've been in business a lot longer. You know, if you ever want to know the amount of struggle and uh, uh, sacrifice it takes, talk to their significant others, Mm -hmm. talk to their kids, talk to their friends, you know, because they're married to work Mm -hmm. as well as married to their families. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I'm impressed with all of them for their longevity, and and some of them are crushing it. And being here, you know, and being in Rock Island, you have to be a destination. I mean, it, it's not it's not a secret, right? All the developments on the other side of the river, all the new shiny things are on the other side of the river. All the new homes are being built on the other side of the river. So to be able to do business here, you don't have that casual drive-by business you need to be a destination like you have to have a product that is so good you know like soy two and jose's qc coffee pancake house or you have to have a product that is so unique like circa 21 like um 
you know, comedy sports and the establishment, or you need to have attractions that you can't get anywhere else, like at Ribco. I mean, you need to be able to find a way to get people to your doors because they're not just going to walk in. Um, so, you know, it's been uh, it, it's been certainly uh, cool though to be a part of this history down here. I mean, this building has such history to it. Opened in 1939 as a movie theater, like you said, when Devin came back in and kind of in refurbished it um, you know got the screen in and everything um, he walked into the footprint of it being a nightclub because mm-hmm. at one point in the early 90s it was a nightclub yeah didn't I'm trying to think like the time played here they're like uh, at one point there was more say in the time and um, like Sly Fox and all these other you know yeah ba- uh, it's a live room man for a band it's a really live room it's uh, a ton of fun the the sighting you know like the viewpoints are great in the in the room but yeah I mean when you look in this this theater you you see the movie theater history you see the nightclub footprint and it was just such a perfect combination for us. Um, but yeah, the the city uh, contributed a lot uh, back in 2010 to help getting this place, uh, you know, revitalized. Uh, you know, using TIF money, they really put in a lot of effort here. When we first walked in, there was no—I mean, the first thing I remember looking at my dad, and he said, "It's too big," and I said, "It's too dirty." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it had turned into essentially, uh, kind of was like Rock Island's garage, you know, like, Hey, you make my weekends over. What do you want to do with these props? Mm-hmm. Put them in the rocket, I guess, you know, yeah. like, cause it was just big and closed. Um, so yeah, it took a ton of elbow grease, man. I mean, the pictures from before to now are, are night and day and, and, and having an old building like this takes a lot of love. I mean, you're always, you're always patching things. And you're always, you know, maintenance is is high in a, in a place that has that sort of historical value because I mean, obviously things are old, mm-hmm. and all the conditions around the building have changed. You know, I mean, some buildings next door fall down, new parking lots pop up. You know, I mean, everything everything affects the structure one way or another. Right. So yeah, but I mean, the history here. Everybody walks in, and you know, half the people have a memory of watching a movie here, going on a date here, seeing a band like More Stay in the Times here. Uh, maybe they did their own theater production. There's several movies have been shot inside of this place. Um, so, yeah, it's to have that kind of um, connection to something that has that much connection to the public it makes you also feel responsible of it. It makes you feel like you need to be a, a steward of it and keep it and maintain it. I know, I mean, we... Uh, we, tr- we strive hard to make sure that the customer appreciates what what is here. It is you know, people always say all the time, like if you roll your eyes as a business owner when they go, "Wow, I never knew this was here," or they say, "This is the hidden gem of the Quad Cities." You know, it's like, please tell somebody, <laughs> <laughs> so it won't be so hidden. Yeah, <laughs> please uncover that hidden gem. Yeah, please, uh, please tell somebody. That that's the best thing you can do for us. But that's because it's un, um, it's one of those buildings that's kind of unassuming. When you're on the outside of it, you don't realize. I mean, the marquee catches your eye. It's that old 1940s marquee, you know, all lit up uh, with the with the lettering on the outside. But when you walk 
in, you realize how big it is. Yeah, yeah it's like the TARDIS. Yeah, it's built. <laughs> thank you. It's built into the ground. I mean, it's, so it's below ground level. So as you walk in, it just opens up in front of you uh-huh. in a way that's uh, impressive. And with the full size movie screen as like the focal point. Um, yeah, it's just a special place. We can't, we can't recreate this. I mean, there's nowhere. You know, you you're not, you couldn't build something new that has this feel, right? And you're not going to find something old that looks like this in the Quad Cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's as unique as we are. That's uh, that's what I mean. Is like that's one of the things I love about Rock Island is Rock Island has that combination of history. Um, just has a vibe to it. It feels like a city. I mean, I grew up in Chicago and New York, and people, and I've been all over the place, and people ask me, said somebody asked me the other day, I was over at Radical having the, uh, you know, Pint of El Jefe, uh, the new pineapple uh, beer, and somebody asked me, they're like, you're not from around here. I'm like, no, and they're like, why are you here? Why have you been in the Quad Cities for so long? I'm like, I love the Quad Cities. I think it's cool. I mean, I have lived in big cities. I've, you know, visited big cities, and um, there are cool things about big cities. I mean, th- I'm not going to say that, you know, I wouldn't love to see more cultural diversity, more, you know, uh, food diversity, more, you know, more stuff going on that you see in a bigger city. But you got enough in the Quad Cities where it's entertaining and you got a lot of cool people. And Rock Island really has that, it just has that vibe. I mean, I really hope that downtown Rock Island, and I'm not just saying this because I own a house in Rock Island, but that, that helps because I'd like my property taxes to go down. But, um, but yeah, I'd love to see the, the downtown really become revitalized, utilizing the existing historical structures because it's cool that to have all these neat buildings and to have this, like, you go down and there's that bo- the whole boho vibe with Roz Talks and Ragged and every, and, the, and Pat Stolly's studio down there, and that's cool. And you've got you guys in the little theater district. I mean, I'd love to see, like, more theaters down here, more theaters theater companies down here doing different different kind of stuff. I would have loved to have seen like the Black Box Theater come down here or another theater like that come down here, you know? So yeah, it's, um, it's, it is a really cool it's just a cool area. Well, something too, I think I, I, all of the theater really is on the Illinois side. It is. I mean, there's only... Other a, than Junior Theater. Junior Theater um, and uh, Devon, uh, uh, the QC Theater Workshop. Oh yeah. Um, yeah and then, you know, you do have the Village Theater uh, but then when you go to the Illinois side, I mean, you've got a list that's, uh, you know, 12, okay. 12 to 15 long. Yeah. And it's just interesting how the arts have kind of settled on this side. But, yeah, I mean, this this downtown area, it, I mean, it really kicked off the, uh, you know, when in, it hit its stride and really got a lot of attention. And um, I think it really spurred the downtown revitalization of all the other quad cities when they went, oh, that can be a thing. Well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, back in the early 2000s, um, I mean, the 2000, from like, you know, the early 2000s on up through when I get, ended up, you know, becoming a dad, I was down here every weekend with my friends and stuff. And this was the place to be from like 2000 to 2005, 2006. Yep. I mean, it was hot. Yeah, I'm coming down here. I even ended up living down here for mm-hmm. five yeah. years. Um and but the Quad Cities also like while it, it, yes I mean I agree with all the points you said it is a, it's easy to get around you have accessibility just about anything you want is here if you want to go you know like there's there's good people good culture good good town um, with that 
bi-state community though and having those four distinct towns Mm -hmm. it also does make it a little more difficult to maintain that downtown Uh because we're not all supporting one downtown that's like you drive by peoria on the interstate and you go whoa look at that downtown like it's a smaller area than we have right but everything's supporting one downtown and we're trying to sustain you know five six unique downtown (laughs) and not that it can't be done it's just more of a daunting task in that way in in some ways it is like a bigger city in that way because it's like people look at big city as like oh my god it's this giant thing well no but i mean if you ever lived in chicago have you been in chicago or new york it's a collection of little towns in a lot of ways all packed up against one another and you've got all these distinct neighborhoods and all of them have distinct feels to them there is it i mean there's one overarching vibe but you know it's a lot different in all the different neighborhoods whether you're in chicago or new york or wherever it is it is it really is i mean it's even like you know san diego i was in san diego last summer and all the different areas of san diego you've got the downtown where petco's at you've got out by the beach you've got pacific beach you've got you know uptown you got coronado it's all very different they all have different vibes and so you know i think it i definitely think it could work and obviously i you know you guys are are doing your part to to make that happen so um what uh, what do you have coming up here in the future uh we'll wrap things up here what do you got what do you got coming up in the future that you're excited about um what are you looking forward to this year what can people expect from you guys uh, you know in 2019 and beyond nice um so we're actually very excited Uh, we just made a change uh, starting in february where comedy sports took its seven o'clock show on friday and vacated that spot and that's what became our matinee so we have comedy sports at two o'clock and seven o'clock so that opened up fridays to being able to work with outside you know producers and promoters to put on other events here open the space up for uh rentals on fridays um you know maybe for rehearsal dinners or company outings and stuff like that so you know in that in that uh, vein, we've had uh, we've had some really uh, a lot of fun. Uh, it's given us a chance to also take our late night shows, which were restricted to forty five minutes to an hour. You know, package them together. We call it double shot. So, uh, you know, one Friday a month, we do our double shot, where you actually get to see kind of an extended version of those late night shows, uh, and you get two shows in one night. Um, you know, we're hosting bands here. We've had uh, a, a EDM festival a couple of weeks ago. We've held dances. I mean, it's just for us it's been great to kind of take that restriction off of that we don't that we have to have comedy sports every Friday and Saturday you know to be able to take that off stretch our creative legs and then bring in community partners you know again that's just one of those ways that we can strengthen our attraction and our our market uh, so that we can continue to you know thrive down here Um, so we're very excited about that uh, again you know with friday nights being open if there are creatives out there listening you know certainly get in touch with us it's a great place to you know preview your independent film or um you know host whatever you know event you want bring back more stay in the times yeah, bring them back <laughs> i'll give them a call yeah, all right yeah um so that's we'll have lunch. fun and then uh, comedy sports is getting back out into the schools again uh we're offering free uh assemblies for all area elementary schools which is a huge thing to be able to bring that art to the kids you know there's a lot of accessibility issues with transportation or finances and um you know to be able to take that show to the student show them this creativity and you know problem solving skills and teamwork and and and, you know those soft skills that 
um, you know, your boss keeps you around if you're effective, but the more so if you're uh, able to keep the office together. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's uh, so we can bring out those skills to the kids. Um, that's just huge for us. Again, it's part of sharing what we love. You know, you talked about all the entrepreneurs down here, and it's it's a passion for each and every one of them. Whether it's you know just the venue, the art, the food, the crafts that they make, it's a passion, and that's our passion is is performing um is improvising so if we can share that i mean it costs us nothing but our time and we can just make a you know a huge difference that way and so for us that's exciting just to be able to say you know again here's the plan we're back out and at it we're in contact with the schools you know the fourth quarter this year uh, is going to be a lot of fun uh, for area elementary schools and we're going to make it that way Awesome, awesome. Sounds like a lot of cool stuff you got coming up. Any last words before we sign off here, Patrick? Uh, avocado. <laughs> <laughs> set you up for that one. Heliotropism. Uh-huh. Uh, That's a good one. Uh-huh. And um, Constantinople. There we go. Who's your pick for uh, the Final Four in the March Madness of Mammals? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Bengal Tiger. I, th- I think the Bengal Tiger is really going to pull through. Uh, it's the one seed. Um, it, but I don't know. I like that 16 seed with the bat, the upset. I mean, the bat can fly away. And if it's if you're including escape in a victory celebration, then I'd say, like, the ability of flight. Unless the bat comes up against the eagle or something, it's which possible. that could po- be possible, possible. They could all, you know, really all have the, fly- the flying animals. If you include escape, they may have to work on that in the rules. Yeah, I think that's... Or have, like, a flying category. uh, It's the sleeper in the tournament. I mean, most people look at the moose at the number one seed in in their bracket and think they're going to take away with it, but it's uh, it's really going to be the bullnosed bat that's going to um, you know, undo the moose. It's, mm-hmm. Moose is going home early. I hope he booked his flight. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now this is all really weird to the listening audience. <laughs> but that's how we want to leave people. So, <laughs> so say, say goodbye, Patrick. Goodbye, Patrick. And goodbye to you, too. Thanks a lot for listening to QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities. Featuring me, your charming and delightful host, Sean Leary, talking with local newsmakers, uncut, uncensored, unedited, all for you to listen to for free and have fun listening to. So, hope you've enjoyed this show with Patrick Adamson. Tune in next time. Until then, have a great day.